As we continue our look at this month of Thanksgiving today, uh, I had a fourth grade teacher that was of Greek heritage, and that's why I first started learning the stories of Greek mythology. And one particular story that was told frequently in ancient Greece was the story, it was the myth of Sisyphus. He was the founder and king of Ephraim what is now known as Corinth. And in the story, Sisyphus had cheated death twice. And Hades, the lord of the underworld, very angry with that, decided to punish Sisyphus. And this was the punishment. Every day, Sisyphus was forced to roll uh, an immense boulder up a hill only to have it roll back down every time it neared the top. And he had to do this for eternity. This story has had even an impact in modern language. You don't hear it often, but occasionally jobs or tasks that are seen to be overwhelming, laborious, and often futile now have an adjective. Sisyphean. And in life, folks, it seems often that we are facing Sisyphean labors all the time. That that seems to be the norm rather than the exception. And this season of Thanksgiving is no different, is it? We have stories of warfare across the globe. We have issues increasing, they seem to be violence in our own communities. Here on the Gulf Coast, we have problems with poverty that do not go away. We have problems with disease that we don't, we just can't seem to escape. Even as believers, we battle with troubles and trials. We just got through singing one of my favorite of Elder Crouch's songs, My Tribute. In that song, He says, how can I thank you for all of the things? And it's a very joyous song. And it's a very beautiful song. But it's looking at those blessings that happen that it's easy to be thankful for. With the world and the situation it is, and some of you facing the situations you have to deal with, your question may be a little bit different. We're going to look at Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. This is a passage we recently have looked at. I want to assure you, because I know that there are people who sometimes mark in their Bible, Brother Danny preached from this passage and they've got a date. I assure you, this is not a rerun. This is not something you'll have to endure hearing everything. But it's a very powerful passage. We're going to start looking there, and I'm going to go back and give it a little bit of context. But if you would stand, as we look at Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Listen with both ears and your heart. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful 
in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. God bless the reading of this word. You may be seated. And again, with all of the troubles of life, when you ask the question today about how can I say thanks, it's a little bit different. I do want to just point out one thing about that last part of verse 19 for the director of music on my stringed instruments. If that sounds familiar, you have seen similar statements in the book of Psalms, usually preceding the psalm. What we believe happened, this probably was not part of the book of Habakkuk to begin with. But the Lord led the Spirit for someone to include this. And this verse lets us know this song was so powerful, so meaningful, so resonating with the people of Israel that it became part of their corporate worship. It was embraced. But when we say today, how can I say thanks? It may be more in a context, how am I going to be thankful with all of this going on? Habakkuk, in the third chapter, the context of that chapter, Habakkuk begins by looking at all of the things that God had done for Israel in the past. The times God had delivered them. The times God had saved them. And he's remembering that. But he also remembered what God had told him. The judgment was coming to Judah. And because of that, Habakkuk's heart is troubled. In verse 16, just before our text, the first half, The prophet wrote, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. He is so broken that his people are going to face judgment. That it is here, it is about to happen. That it is affecting him physically. But he doesn't end with verse 16. That first half. He goes on. To acknowledge that God is going to take care of the Babylonians. They will be judged. The second part of verse 16 says, Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Habakkuk knew judgment was coming. Habakkuk knew that God's people would be vindicated. But he also knows what this could mean. Carl Emmerding wrote, Invasion by maiming, devastation, and deprivation. As he mentions in verse 17, a besieged nation must request, recruit farmers to be soldiers. An attacking army must live off the produce of their victims. Crops and flocks must necessarily suffer under such circumstances. And he said Habakkuk knew full well that he stood to lose everything he had And he was about to see his country ravaged. But he also knew this. That the love of the covenant God of Israel was with him. In the face of whatever possible catastrophe would come. Now folks, we have reason to be grateful hearts. 
even in hard times. Even when things are not going the way we want them to, the way we think they should. But how? I mean, literally, how can we be thankful when we look at the world in which we live and we see the suffering and we we feel it ourselves in our own lives or in the lives of people we love? I believe it's possible for us to have thankfulness even when everything goes wrong, when the fig tree fails and there are no sheep. All that, it's possible if we remember. And what are we supposed to remember? Our God. So let's take a look at why Habakkuk, after saying judgment is coming, is saying, I still have hope. We need to remember who God is. We need to remember who God is. When Habakkuk is writing about this God, he uses a somewhat unique expression. In our text, Habakkuk called God the Sovereign Lord in his psalm. The Sovereign Lord. Now you need to know, this is the only place in the Old Testament other than the book of Psalms that you see this expression. You can find it in Psalm 16, 68, 109, 140, and 141. And that's it. It's not used anywhere else. And the phrase combines the personal name of God, Yahweh, with his title that is used all the time. Adonai. Yahweh Adonai. Yahweh, the sovereign covenant God and Lord. And it expresses, when my former professors, Waylon Bailey, would say it expresses both the divine personal name preceded by his title showing a commitment to God from a personal perspective. He is my sovereign Lord. Habakkuk is using in these two terms combined the strongest name possible that he can have for God. He is both the God of the covenant and he is Lord. The NIV chooses to translate it sovereign Lord and there are other ways it can be. The Lord, my Lord. Different ways it's translated but the sovereign Lord. Yahweh, my Lord. The prophet was recognizing that the Lord was his master. God is in control of everything that will happen to me. And this sovereign Lord is with me every step of the way. And when we remember this, my sovereign Lord, in the midst of struggle, we must remember that our God is greater than we are. We may not be able to handle things on our own, but we don't have to. Now, it's clear within the Word of God, like Habakkuk, we are servants. And there are some people who find that offensive. There are some people that say, so, you're a slave to God, and they may mock us and they may laugh. But folks, we don't need to shrink back from this idea that we are servants of God. 
We need to learn from Habakkuk. When Habakkuk says, you are my master, sovereign Lord, he's unashamed, he's not regretful, he's not pulling back in any way. John Golden Bay wrote, uh, John Golden Gave said, you know what, we are servants, but what matters is whose servant you are. Decades ago, uh, we had a, a song written by a young man by the name of Dylan. Perhaps you've heard of John Dylan's music. He made a, had a brief encounter with Christianity, and he wrote a song and an album, you got to serve somebody. And he was saying, he was going through the list, all the different people you're going to serve, but you got to serve somebody. We are servants of the Lord of the covenant, and this is where our thankfulness comes. God has bound us to himself. Through the work of Jesus Christ, through his giving of his life on my behalf, I am now a child of God, a God of covenant who keeps his covenant promises, who loves us. We are servants of the Lord who created everything we see and has created everything we cannot see. And as this God, this Lord, watches over his people and ultimately will restore them if they fall. He will ultimately guide them on the paths that they should follow. So we need to remember when we're facing the struggles... The God who is in control is not an impotent God who can do nothing. He is God Almighty, the Sovereign Lord. So let us face the future by remembering our present Lord. Folks, whatever comes, He is with us. Whatever comes, He will never abandon us. Because he bound himself to us. Every step of the journey through good and through the bad and even through the horrific, God can carry us and move as we trust him, as we learn. As Habakkuk did, he's my master. And I believe he is here. We need to remember who God is. And if we remember who God is, then the next truth becomes a little bit easier. We need to remember God's provision of strength. God's provision of strength. This is such a crucial theme that is found throughout the Old Testament and the New. And the prophet Habakkuk showed God's strength as the key to surviving any of the difficulties that might fall upon the prophet. He said, God's strength will see me through this, whatever comes. The unfailing source of strength and confidence necessary is in Yahweh Adonai. Habakkuk understood that the God who provides salvation, did you notice he said this sovereign God, God is my salvation. But he's also saying this sovereign Lord is my strength. In other words, God would provide strength to his people. In fact, the prophet says, this sovereign Lord is my strength. 
this man of God and every person of faith who follows the righteous who've been changed by this God through the act of his son and atonement, we can rise above the circumstances of life and we can stand firm in the promises of God. And he says, I'm going to rejoice in him. God's strength can bring joy into our lives. When we come to understand, again, I'm not alone. In the midst of utter desolation, we can take consolation that the God who loved us and gave himself for us is our strength. We don't have to deal with it on our own. Because see, the reality is we cannot bring a life-changing strength through our own effort. There are times in our lives we all try to be strong for the people around us. It's often during the loss of a loved one. And sometimes we are so filled with the idea we have to be strong that we don't even allow ourselves to grieve because we got to keep a happy heart for the people who are hurting because we somehow think grief is beneath the child of God but I remind you at the tomb of Lazarus Jesus wept our will to be strong can crumble in the midst of struggle it's easy to be strong when everything is going your way isn't it when everything aligns strength is not an issue but we can find ourselves caving into despair If we try to just will ourselves through the problems. But like Habakkuk, we can. Living in this crazy and chaotic world that we do. We can find strength in the God who is working in history to accomplish his purpose. God's plan will not be thwarted. God's plan will not be circumvented by our problems. God will bring the strength we need. So let us realize that God's strength can carry us into gratitude. Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. I need you to carry me. There's nothing shameful in saying that. He can give us the strength to face the tasks. And I'm not saying there will be one touch by his hand and the strength will be with you forever. We frequently have to return. God, help me now. Paul wrote to the Corinthians about, and it's interesting, in the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, he writes about a man who ascended to the third heaven. And he says, I don't know if it was a vision or if he actually went. And it's very clear, Paul's talking about himself, but he's talking in the third person because he's being humble about the whole situation. And he said, this man saw revelations of God that you can't talk about. And then he said, and so, to keep me from becoming boastful, To keep me from becoming, I've been to heaven and I can tell you. 
Paul says a thorn in the flesh was given to him. Listen to what he said in verses 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times he asked God, and we don't know what the thorn was. Some people suggest it was a person. Some people suggest it was a disease. We, we don't know what it is. But Paul says, please take this away three different times. And then he said, but he, that is the Lord, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Those of you who have been with me at the time of a funeral probably have heard me tell people it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to realize I need God's help. Because when we learn I can't do it myself, I come to understand I need God. And God has promised to help me. God's strength can sustain us as we learn to throw our cares upon his shoulders. And I guarantee you, God's shoulders are bigger than yours or mine. It can sustain us as we trust that whatever happens, he's going to carry us through. And that knowledge can give us a sense of thankfulness and joy. Not particularly for the problem, but for the God who is here in the midst of my problem. We need to understand God's strength is here. And when I learn to rely on it, when the trouble comes, I can learn to be thankful. And if I remember God's strength, if I remember God's ability to move in my life, then we can come to the third and final truth I want you to see. We need to remember the heights to which God will lead us. We need to remember the heights to which God will lead us because there's something more than what we're experiencing right now. And Habakkuk, the prophet, well... Habakkuk acknowledged God's ability to bring an ultimate victory in any struggle that might come his way. And Habakkuk the prophet was quite the poet because he uses a beautiful metaphor here, a wonderful metaphor, to show why he had confidence in God, why he believed God could see him through this battle so that even if the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vine, if the olive tree should cast its fruit, I will still rejoice and exalt my God. 
And the metaphor that he used, Garland pointed to the beauty of the image. Your translation might read hind, it might read deer, it might read gazelle. In all likelihood, the hind was a mountain gazelle, and this is an artist's rather stylized painting of such an animal. Garland wrote, Habakkuk found a security in Yahweh who makes a prophet's feet as a hind feet. And the prophet knows this animal, this gazelle, its speed was proverbial among the Hebrews. They were fascinated how quickly this animal could run. But this gazelle had security not just because he was swift, but also because he was sure foot. When he's running away, he can run up that mountain. And the prey not, may not be able to follow him. Garland writes, he leaps the rocks and streams without fear. He makes his way across mountains and precipices with assurance and finds safety in the high places. And the people of Judah have a like security because they have God, the Lord. With his help, they will surmount every obstacle and overcome every foe. They will pass over the dangerous and difficult places with assurance Their strength is from God. Their strength is God. Over the last few years, I have had struggles from time to time with my stability. Much better now than it has been. When I went home for my mother's funeral that I conducted back right before COVID struck with force, I fell three times trying to get out of my apartment to go to the airport. I don't remember how many times I fell while I was there. I finally, my sister gave me her walker. And when I got back home, we discovered part of the reason I was having dizziness. But this text excites me. Because it talks about agility that God brings. And I am a little... Well, I'm a lot less nervous about coming up and down these steps than I was three years ago. God is giving strength. People, I believe this beautiful image. And remember, when Hebrew people used poetry, their images were meant to invoke awe and emotion and wonder. God will establish his children with an everlasting victory. The stability in our lives comes from the God whose promises never fail. And while the word of God makes it extremely clear that there are always going to be struggles and battles in this world, we have a promise from God himself that one day he will bring us to himself. One day we will be brought to a height from which we can never fall. We will be in the very presence of God. Until that day, he will give us the strength and agility to move through this earth and know victory, but there's coming a day when the victory will be complete. And there won't even be memories of all the struggles below. 
They won't even be on our minds anymore. By the way, this is one of the reasons uh, when I hear people say things like, I know that my mom's looking down on me. I have to know them really well to say this. Uh, but no, she's not. My wife isn't looking down on me. You know how I know that? The word of God says there are no tears in heaven. Their focus is on the Lord. I don't want the people I love looking down for me. God is enough. And I want you to hear the promise. At the end of the book of Revelation. John has another vision. One of the most glorious of all visions. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. How do we have joy even in the midst of struggle? Because at the heart of our faith, we can understand whatever struggles we have will pass. And one day, one glorious day, the height that God sets our feet on will be beyond the touch of this world. So let us learn to yield our lives into the hands of the one who can ready us for any situation. Whatever comes, he will provide for us a stability that can withstand the storm. Jesus is with us in our boat as we are traveling the storms of life. And he can stand up just as he did with the disciples and declare peace be still and we can know he is with us. Now we may not always understand how God is working in our lives. We may not have it figured out what he's going to do or how he will carry us through. But we can be thankful. Even if we don't understand that he is the one who will ultimately give us victory. Who will ultimately bring us home. I recently read a story about a little boy and his father that I absolutely love. The father told his son the very next day, we are going to go on an exciting and wonderful trip. Now, if your daddy told you that, what would be your first question probably? Where? Daddy didn't tell him. He did not tell him where they would go or what they were going to do. Nevertheless, the boy was excited. 
You know that kind of child excitement that we wish we could have as adults? When they, I mean, they can get excited about almost anything. He is so full of excited all day trying to figure out what's going to happen. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Why is, was he excited? Because that little boy knew three things that he could hold on to. He knew daddy's going to be with me all day long. Every step of the way. I know that daddy will protect me from anything bad. And I know daddy has never lied to me. So if he says it's going to be exciting and it's going to be fun and it's going to be wonderful, I'm going to trust him. And he's, he's like this kinetic ball of energy, so excited. And that evening, his daddy was putting his son to bed. The little boy hugs his father's neck and he, he just can't, he's got to express what he's feeling. And as he hugs his daddy, he says, Daddy, thank you for tomorrow. He doesn't know what tomorrow's going to be. But I know you promised. And I know it's going to be great. And this is a glorious way that we can be thankful in the midst of the storm. Whatever the storm may be, we can say to our Abba Father, thank you that we have a tomorrow. A tomorrow that will put all of the cares of this world away. No more tears to be cried, no more pain to be had. Oh, by the way, did you notice that I emphasized a phrase in that verse on Revelation, the very first verse, and there will be no more sea? I know we've got cruisers in our congregation who love to be on a boat. In ancient Israel, it wasn't that fun. To ancient Israel, the sea was terrifying. They were not a seagoing people. For them, it was a place of misery. It was a place of separation. When the, what's called the diaspora, when Israel is invaded by Assyria and they're scattered all over the world, people know we have, we have folks far away from us that we can't get to. When John says in that new city, there will be no more sea, he's saying there will never be separation again. We will be with God and he will be with us forever. Warren Wiersbe said of troubles and trials, one of the best tests of Christian maturity is tribulation. And James does say, be thankful when you fall into different trials. Wiersbe writes, when God's people go through personal trials, they discover what kind of faith they really possess. Trials not only reveal our faith, they also develop our faith in Christian character. We become stronger in the Lord as we go through the battles. One of my favorite Christian singers of all time is a man by the name of John Michael Talbot. A great heart for God. He said, if we can enter our, into our trials and temptations 
our spiritual darkness and dry spells with an attitude of gratitude, they will cease to be horrible experiences from which we try to run away. As we learn to be thankful to God, whatever we're going through, we know that God will ultimately see us through. But how? How can we enter our trials and temptations, our spiritual darkness and dry spells with an attitude of gratitude? Folks, how can I say thanks in this crazy and chaotic world? By remembering God. Remembering who He is. The God who loved me enough that He gave His Son that I could call Him Father. The God who loved me enough that before the worlds were created, He had a plan for our redemption. Remembering that He is our source of strength. That it's okay for me to need help. It's okay. Because God longs to be my strength. By remembering. He is our stability. And he will ultimately. Let us stand before him. Without faltering. So today. On our last text for the month of thanksgiving I ask you to bow your heads before God with every ounce of sincerity you may have thank the Lord above that he is the God of our covenant that he he has made us his children and he will never leave us or forsake us thank him That in time of weakness, he is our strength. The strength we need to endure. Thank him. That he grants stability to us. And one day we'll set our feet in the highest of places. To be with him forever. Today. Just thank God.